Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 134 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we are happy to finally be moving on to the semifinals. I feel like this yeah. has been a long time. Well, I think, I think it's probably because we had to get through two IPAs and a Corona. And that's true. Uh, it's just y'all voted some bad stuff for us. I'm just, you know, I keep but, saying that, but. But, 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 but think about this. If that was the stuff that made it into that round. What That's, did they save mm. us from from the Ooh. voting round? Okay, uh, Michael just redeemed our our listening audience. I appreciate you guys now because I you do probably remember, saved us. From I do remember nasty stuff. <laughs> Bud Light was in the voting round. Coors Light was in the voting round. Like just oh some, yeah, I'm glad those got eliminated. Some basically water beers were in. So anyway, <laughs> uh, round technically three second review. Big Whatever this is. Here, here we go. <laughs> Semifinals. <laughs> Uh, week one of the semifinals. Uh, this week we have uh, Modelo going up against Angry Orchard. Uh, and again, like I talked about, I think it was last week, mm-hmm. Anthony and I were pretty clear where we stand with Ang- Angry Orchard. Yeah. And uh, Modelo is going to have a very difficult time. Yes. Um, but it's redeeming quality, at least for me, is I haven't had anything to drink since I cut the grass. So maybe this will be a refreshing thing for me. Oh, um, I wish you had a line because a Modelo after cutting the grass, especially if you're still hot, mm-hmm. it is it's pretty on point. Not gonna. I lie. mean, I mean, it's been like an hour and a half since I got done cutting oh, okay. the grass, so it's, it's not like I didn't come in from outside and run upstairs to record. You could also, totally chug one. It's also nine thirty. It'd be a little dark for that, but <laughs> but it's still right, one hundred and eight so, degrees outside. <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, Modelo, uh, Cerveza, um, Mexican. Was this a lager? Especial. No, Pilsner. This is a Mexican Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this, the, the bottles are really like just very basic, but very classic and clean looking. Yes. Um, it's an imported beer brewed in Mexico, 4.4 ABV. Um, and it's just a pretty run of the mill looking thing. Um, available pretty much anywhere you get Mexican food, I think. So um, or, or beer. Or beer. Yeah, too. <laughs> that too. So uh, let's crack the Modelo open, see what we have, or remind ourselves what we have. Remind ourselves. And then um, see how it does against Angry Orchard. So here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Uh, mm. This is the worst bottle opener in my house. <laughs> and it's upstairs in my office. Like it never does right. All right, so the first time with Modelo, I peeled the foil off before I took the cap off. Mm-hmm. But since then, I have become a man. Um, <laughs> you got your man card back? I did. Um, and I just open it uh, straight up with the foil. I mean, it, and that's like really like. A, yep. That's the way they do it on the commercials. So 
That's yeah. the way you're supposed to do it, right? Uh, sure. Sure. You saw, you saw it on the internet that way? That's right. Abraham right. Lincoln told me that's the way it should be done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's drink the Modelo. Remind ourselves what we got. Bottoms up. Plain old beer. Modelo is not terrible. You know, as far as Mexican beer goes, it's really, really good. No. It, it's, as far, it's, all right. Compared to Corona, oh, Modelo is like leaps and bounds above Corona. So I don't I don't know if this is going to – I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but my I think my favorite Mexican – have you ever had Landshark? Um, well, that's not Mexican. Oh, is it, it not? Mex, it's me, I mean, it's made by Jimmy Buffett. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Never mind. It's styled after Mexican. It's a lager? Mexican style, but it's not a Mexican. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's not an actual Mexican lager. Well, never um, mind. <laughs> Disregard my comments. So, but it's it, definitely made to compete with like the Coronas and the Medellas. That's right. what it's made for. So, but, but not not yeah. not actually Mexican. So yeah, yeah, uh, pretty. I think honestly, I think like a plate of fajitas or a quesadilla. Mm-hmm. This would be really, really good. It, yeah, it's like when I, I have a local Mexican place that has it on tap. It's actually, I think it's a little bit better on tap because they they serve you a lime and you squeeze it in there, and it just mm-hmm. kind of you get just a little bit of that lime taste. And and it's like this one at least has some type of flavor that could be enhanced. That's that's a positive yeah. quality of it. You know, we mm-hmm. kind of slammed it last time, but but uh, it it does have a positive quality in that. You can enhance the flavor just a little bit. It has a flavor that you can enhance. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite flavor, but it's also not a terrible flavor. It's not Corona. And so, right. you know, it's one of those bearable things. But like when you're actually eating Mexican food at a Mexican restaurant with one of these on draft, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's I could totally see that. It's it it, it feels like it would pair very well. Yes. In a Mexican restaurant with some Mexican food. Yes, it does. I've had it there. And so, so can uh, can confirm. <laughs> I think tonight I like I know we just re- we probably reviewed it a few weeks ago, but I'd probably give it like three or three and a half Luthers. Yeah, it's a three. It's a it's a three, maybe a week three for me. It's I don't I don't want to put it down in the like two, two and a half range because that's where mm-hmm. Kalik belongs. And I feel like it's a little better than that. Yeah. Um, if I showed up somewhere and all they had was Modelo, I would not be upset. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. Um, you know. I would drink it and now if they showed up and, and all they had was Corona, I'd be like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. What yeah. kind of party host are you? I'll jerk? just have water. Yeah. <laughs> or go home. Yeah. Exactly. So we don't need to be friends anymore. Yeah. So Modelo, yeah. we knew what we got with you. You know, three, three and a half. Yeah. Uh, Luther's there. Same. Yeah. And now we're gonna crack open the angry orchard. Let's do it. Three, two, one, crack. I got my little cap gun. Blasting everywhere. Mm, that good old apple juice smell. Bottoms up. Mm. That is just a good. Uh, it's it's just good. I'm partial to apples, but but it's just good. And 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 to me, it's it's hands down taking the Modelo out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a strong flavor. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's drinkable. It's smooth. There, there's just there's not a whole lot wrong with the the Angry yeah. Orchard. It, it's so light and crisp. Like mm-hmm. you could have a couple, 
you know, two, three, I'm not endorsing drinking like a six pack at one time, <laughs> but you could like, like if it's, you wanted to, and it, what is, you know, is it 4% or something like that? I think that? it's four and a half or four. Maybe it's, it's not much. Yeah. It's not strong. Uh, so it's 5% ABV. Okay. Well, that's uh, like four yeah. and a half, 5%. So it's not yeah. strong. Um, you could drink one or two, three uh, over the course of a couple hours and, and, and it not bug you or bother you yeah. or anything like that. Um, so, but yeah, it's just, I mean, the flavor is there. Everything about Angry Orchard is just good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, no, I have nothing to add. Nothing to add to that at all. Um, so, so Angry Orchard wins. It'll be moving. It's taking the first position in the finals. Mm-hmm. And then next week we will have that's next week is the interesting one because we're going to have Stella versus Blue Moon, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm if I think if there's one where we might accidentally be on opposite sides, it could mm-hmm. be that one. I totally it very agree. well could be um, just because historically. Now, I know when we reviewed it, I was like maybe I gave haven't been fair to Blue Moon. Um yeah. but historically I haven't been a huge fan of it. I just Yeah. And Stella is, you know, Stella's a really good lager. So yeah, it's just a good base beer. Yeah. So it's gonna be interesting to see. And and like you said, it may be the first time in the whole thing that we've we've been it opposed. We we might have to bring out the secret plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are hoping that we have to do that. Yes, they are. We're setting it up we like we're too. going to. I'm, 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 I hope we do because then we wouldn't have to, you know, go back and say, "Here's what the plane would have been if we had to use it." <laughs> it's true. Oh but, man! But so, Angry Orchard onto the finals. Modelo, good run, uh, but eliminated in the semis. Yeah, and like Anthony said, the second round of the semis will be next week. Yes, they will. So stay tuned for that. But now we're going to move into our next book of the Bible, which is the book of Deuteronomy. So buckle up, grab your beer, unless it's like four or five in the morning, then don't grab your beer. Uh, But grab your beer and and, uh, join us right after this musical break. Welcome back. Welcome back. Had a little voice crack there. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Are you 17 again? Sound, sounded like Kermit the Frog there for a second. Um, yeah. Welcome to our discussion on Deuteronomy. But before we dive into that, um, fun stuff's happening in the in the Beers and Bible podcast world. Um, we are, while this episode is going on, we are also um, filling in as hosts for the RFP guys. Uh, doing an episode for them uh, while they're taking a short break. And so they asked all of the the podcast family to do a one week. And it just so turned out that our week turned out to be this week. So mm-hmm. um, after you get done with this episode, go listen to the RFP episode uh, where yep. we'll be having a fun discussion about pastors. Yeah. And if you're and if you're here because you heard us on the RFP, thank welcome. you for <laughs> welcome. And thank you for joining us. Um, we're excited to have you. And we want to thank the RFP guys for inviting us to uh, fill in for them 
for trusting an episode. Trusting a couple of idiots. Trusting a couple of guys <laughs> who know a little bit about some stuff. So That's right. Um, That's right. So, But we're glad to be able to do that for the RFP guys. Glad we're stoked to be a part of the RFP fam. And coming up in November... Um, we have the RFP camp meeting slash conference for the sake of the gospel, uh, November 3rd and 4th at Hope Church in Danville, Virginia. Yep. So we hope you will plan to attend that because we will be there and we would love to meet you. Um, that's November 3rd and 4th. The cost is 50 bucks. Um, yep. And then that that covers the actual conference. And then you got some you know food and travel and things like that. So yep. plan accordingly. But we would love to see you, meet you. Um, possibly have a beer with you. We're down. If you don't want to have a beer, possibly nothing. <laughs> we're going to have it. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing that. Um, registration opens on Monday, Monday, August 1st, because like, today is so, July 29th. Yes. Yeah. Well, the day this episode releases is <laughs> July that. 29th. Yes. So, um, here in a couple of days, you'll be able to register for that. That's really just so the RFP guys can keep track of uh, how many people are coming. Because there's going to be uh, millions of them. Uh, Probably not. <laughs> but we'd love I, to see know, at least a few hundred of you. I know they would love to see millions of people come, but I know also that that, that church probably can't hold that. I, say, many I don't people. think Hope Church can hold millions of people. <laughs> so, I'm sure they would love for it too, but yes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah but so, but we're, yeah, we're excited about that. And that's coming up here. Um, the not too distant future. Not honestly. too distant future. It's coming up faster than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Time is flying, dude. We're, Yes, At the end is. of July, uh, my son starts preschool. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, nuts. So yes, schools schools kicking back in. It's about that time of year again. Yep. So, well, let's dive into Deuteronomy. Let's talk about it because Deuteronomy is going to close out the Pentateuch for mm-hmm. us. It is yep. the final book of the Pentateuch. It records mm-hmm. the death of Moses. Um, the the nation gets ready to walk into the nation into the promised land mm-hmm. and really i mean this uh this book only covers a very very short period of time yeah because you got like numbers is is the wandering you got leviticus and numbers are the wandering they're getting ready they're preparing they're getting law all the rules they're doing the tabernacle thing that was set forth in exodus so all of that is had is coming to kind of a, a fruition and a conclusion, and they're at the gates of the promised land. You know, they're at the border of the promised land, and they're getting ready to go in. Yeah. Um, and so Deuteronomy is those few final weeks in the wilderness, and and some of the if you read through Deuteronomy as a whole, and again, we would encourage you to read all of these books, not just like a few verses at a time, but try to sit down and read large chunks of these books. Um, if you can't read the whole thing in one sitting, try to do it in two sittings or something like that, because it will really help you get a fuller picture of the story that is happening and Mm -hmm. the themes that are happening. And so some of the main themes that you're going to see throughout the book of Deuteronomy are going to be like the oneness and the uniqueness of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Um, over again, you know, I am the Lord, your God be holy because I am holy. Those themes continue to come out and he is over and above and greater than all other gods. Yeah. Um, and then you have Yahweh's covenant love for Israel that that comes out as a theme through the tabernacle, um, the way that he comes and dwells with them. And that tabernacle represents really the central sanctuary of the of God, Yahweh, um, and where he is to be worshipped. 
Um, you'll see a concern for justice uh, and that his people will reflect his character there. And, and then you'll see blessings and uh, blessings for obedience. And then the dangers of disobedience, you know, blessings and curses are, are a thing yeah. really all the way throughout Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but they really kind of take heat in Deuteronomy because they have to know what the blessings and curses are as they prepare to go into the promised land. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've oriented ourselves for reading Deuteronomy. Um, let's look at actually some advice for how to read the book um, mm -hmm. because, because it is one of the most influential books in the Bible and in many times, you know, many times it gets pulled from its context to fit differing narratives, um, mm -hmm. which is a danger or can be a danger if it's not done correctly. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a lot of new Testament writers depend on Deuteronomy. Yeah. And so to really get the full context of what Deuteronomy is saying, look at what new, the when new Testament writers use it. Yeah. Because that really helps you understand it. Yeah. So in the book that we're using kind of as, as kind of as the foundation for our study here, um, and it's how to read the Bible book by book. Mm -hmm. um, they say about Deuteronomy, um, as you read, you'll discover what drives Deuteronomy from beginning to end, an uncompromising monotheism coupled with an equally deep concern for Israel's uncompromising loyalty to mm -hmm. Yahweh, their God. Um, you talked about, you know, before the oneness, the uniqueness and the oneness mm -hmm. of Yahweh over all other gods in the territory that Israel was about to going with. I'm sorry. Three. Huh, huh. Sorry. There's going to be a lot of that. probably tonight. <laughs> right. In the territory that Israel was wandering through and would mm -hmm. eventually come into all around them. There are all these other nations and cultures that had mm -hmm. many, many gods and Yahweh had called Israel to be unique and to be yeah. different from the nations around them and to worship the one true God, the, the, the Yahweh God, him, mm -hmm. like he himself. And so, yeah. you know, the, one of the encompassing themes throughout Deuteronomy is that um, Israel is to be loyal to their God. Yeah. And, and it has to be this uncompromising loyalty. It has to be yeah. this loyalty that um, surpasses their desire for anything else. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, we, I feel like we wrestle, we're still wrestling with that. Yeah. In it's, 21st century. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so think, think about everything law wise, um, the way it, the way it's written down compare it back to the 10 commandments. Okay. Mm -hmm. The 10 commandments, you have two major divisions of the 10 commandments. You have the first four commandments, which are commands about God specifically. And then you have the last six commandments, which are commands about man. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have this horizontal and vertical kind of concept going on there and, and think of everything else in that framework of vertical first horizontal second. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Deuteronomy is painting this oneness, this uniqueness, this separation of Yahweh God from mm -hmm. all the other pagan gods. Yeah. Okay. And and now remember, let's go back to Exodus for just a second. The 10 plagues are 10 direct attacks on 10 Egyptian gods. Mm -hmm. And that's God saying, I am God. These things are not. 
You worship right. frogs. You worship locusts. You you know all of these things. You worship these things that are not even gods. And I'm mm-hmm. going to show you how not God they are by plaguing you with what you think are gods. Right. You know. And so it's this direct attack thing. And and roll that into Deuteronomy. And and again, this is a multiplicity of gods. I mean, the, these these folks had these pagans had gods for everything: the dirt, the sun, the sky, the bird, the frog. I mean, all of these things had a god. And so it's like ev- when everything becomes a god, there is no actual god. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so God is separating Himself from that, saying, "No, there is actual God. I am actual God." Right. And 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 that's really the point. And and you see this come into fruition really in this thing, and they call it the Shema. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in the nation of Israel, the Shema, think of the Shema as like, like a mission statement. Um, if we're in cor- 21st century corporate America, or if you're at a um, sporting event or something like, like it's a chant that you would do over and over and mm-hmm. over. Yeah. And so the nation of Israel would, would, quote this and and they would i mean they would scream it hero israel the lord is your god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with i mean this was something that they ingrained in every fiber of their being mm. as a separating type of statement from the world around them yeah okay mm-hmm. and and now it's it's important to to understand here just because Deuteronomy paints God as one God, as the God, as separate from all other minuscule gods. That does not at all negate the doctrine of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, Unitarians will use Deuteronomic passages or the Torah, so to speak, um, as a as a foundation to say that no, God is only one, and there is, you know. There's you can't have Jesus be man God. You can't have that mm-hmm. in a, in a Unitarian worldview. And so, at this point in time, at this point in the Revelation, God has only revealed Himself as the one God. He mm-hmm. has not come in flesh yet. Right. And so, over time, there is this development of Trinitarian doctrine. But it's also important to understand that that in Old Testament and even in Hebrew. The word, one of the words for God is is the word Elohim, and it's the word God uses. When when you talk about Genesis, Genesis 127, when God says, Let us make man in our own image, that's the word Elohim. Mm-hmm. Let us make man in our own image. So right. you you get a concept of the Trinity, but it's not a full revelation of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Right. What you have here is a full revelation of the one God as opposed to the a plurality of pagan gods. The one it's a it's a revelation of the one true God. Yes. Versus, you know, in the the Trinity is independent of that revelation. Yeah. yeah. So the doctrine of the Trinity becomes independent of that and comes along later when with the yeah. person of Jesus and when he sends the Holy Spirit. That's like, right. Those things come much later. Here in Deuteronomy, we're talking about God establishing himself. Not establishing himself because he's already like he's already he established. <laughs> he didn't he didn't have to establish his own, but establishing himself with the with the nation of Israel yeah. as the one true God. He's revealing himself. It's a revelation yeah. of God, you know. Establish is the wrong word. Yeah. It's Sorry. it's a it's a revealing. Yeah. And so 
what you do, I mean, think and think of a revealing as as it almost being and I'm and I'm not going to say parts because you're gonna be like, that's partialism, Patrick. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's a you know, you you see it's one picture and you see some of the picture. And then as time goes on, you see more of the picture, but mm-hmm. how all of the picture is still one. And then you see more of the picture, but all of the picture is still one. Right. And and that's, that's not partialism. No, that's not partial because it's still one picture. Yeah. And you see it in three different parts just, that are just, all one. Just because I don't see all three parts at the same time doesn't mean that all three parts are independent of each other. That's right. That's right. So I think. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I can go with that. I can okay. Go with that. So, all right. So we talked about that. The Shema. Um, Take us to the, the Shema. Next. Okay. So, you know, with this in mind, you look at everything in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. as a whole is predicated on Yahweh's love and his faithfulness. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, some of the things that happen, you know, the eventual possession of the land promised to Abraham predicated on Yahweh's love and his faithfulness, the command mm-hmm. to avoid all idolatry after mm-hmm. entering the land that's predicated on Yahweh's love. And it's a, it's a, wow, what's the word? Not dependent. Foundational. I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but like <laughs> the nation of Israel will fall out of favor with Yahweh if they fall into idolatry. Yeah. Go back to our disobedient, you know, yeah. curses for disobeying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, we have the requirement to worship in a central sanctuary in chapter mm-hmm. 12. Um, and, and when we look at these and, and, and why are these so important? Um and the re- and the real reason is because the whole biblical story depends on these foundational truths. Yeah. De- depends on these these things to be true. Yeah, it's you know in Leviticus we talked a little bit about like these the rules that were given and don't touch this and don't touch that and do things this way and don't do things that way and and I'm I'm not exceptionally versed in this but I have. I have heard teachings on it. So I'm, I'm going to try to parody the teachings as much as I can to remember them. But there have been medical studies. Um, there have been secular scientific studies about some of these rules and the way that the rules are formulated and, and the way that the people would have reacted to them. And these are not people who are trying to prove like the validity of the Bible. They're just studying these rules that were given. And what Mm -hmm. they found is that people who adhered to these rules lived a healthier, more, I guess, dynamic, I guess might be the word word I'm trying to say, but they they lived a better quality of life. They had a Mm -hmm. better quality of life when they followed these rules. And so it, it really puts a perspective on it's not just about the rules or the laws or, you know, it's really the what happens, the effects of the law. When you yeah. obey the law, what happens? Well, you're a you're a healthier person with a higher quality of life. It's it's about human flourishing, mm-hmm. which is the which is why God gave us law because God gives us these things. The New Testament says He gives us these things for our good. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's and and one of the ones that I remember and and this is going to be this is going to be my controversial statement because of everything that's happening in the world today. But, you know, we talk about the command to, you know, against homosexuality. The man shouldn't lie with a man the same way that he lies with a woman. Okay. Um, 
as a Bible believing Christian, I believe that homosexuality is wrong. I believe that it is a sin. Mm -hmm. Okay. That does not mean I'm going to run up to you and point at you and yell at you and all that kind of stuff. But what it does mean is the reason I believe it's wrong. And the reason I believe it's a sin is because God told us not to do those things. And he told us not to do those things because he was trying to protect us from something. Okay. Mm -hmm. There have been, again, scientific studies, not theology studies, not, but not Bible-based studies, secular studies that have proven the lifespan of a homosexual man is like 40 years less than the lifespan of a heterosexual man. And so you're, you're engaging in an activity that has a known result of cutting 40 years off of your life. That's why we're saying it's wrong because it's bad for you. It is physically bad for you. And when and that's when Christians are labeled as bigots or homophobes or pick your slur that you want to attach to it. But the reality is that the reason we're against it is because it is physically bad for you. I don't support alcoholism. I don't support people getting drunk. It is bad for you yeah. to do that. It is bad for your body and you should not do it. The same way that I don't support homosexuality because it is physically bad for your body. Yeah. And so the, think about those kind of things when you're when we're talking about the law and the rules and the regulations in yeah. Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Yeah. That was and, a sidebar and, caveat. No, it was good. <laughs> and and I mean, these rules that are given in the in the scriptures, they're not arbitrary. Like mm. there's a reason for them. There's purpose. Um yeah. the, the rules that are given, they're guides that God gave to Israel to fit, um, fit into the way he created the world. Yeah. You know, like if you do this, like you're going to be closer to how God intended the world to be versus yeah. if you don't follow the rules, you're further away. <laughs> like right. it's, it seems kind of like almost self-explanatory, but we still get it wrong all the time. So the rules are not arbitrary and it helps us live in a world that God created and it's good for your health. It's good for your life. It's good for your quality of life. I think we have made that argument. You can disagree with it or not. That's that's fine. That's your that's your opinion. Um, but the other thing that I think it helps us is 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 more in a social or cultural aspect. Mm -hmm. And I, I think note how God requires His people to provide for and to pay attention to the poor and the needy so many times. Okay. This is where a lot of Christians get some things wrong. Um, they, they say that if a person is poor, or if a person is needy, it's because they've done something wrong. And it's a sin in their life and it's their own fault. Um, maybe that person is poor because God's going to bring them into your life so that you can be a blessing to that person. Right. You know, uh, one of the things that I think about is, and I think it's actually going back to Leviticus. It's, it's a law that was like, you have to leave the edges of your field unharvested. Yeah. And I think we talked a little bit about this in, mm -hmm. in the Leviticus episode, but yeah. like the reason for that was because when people walk by, they could grab an ear of corn or some wheat and, and they could muddle it up in there. You know, they would carry their tools to, to do stuff, but they may not be able to carry wheat. And so they could grab some, they could make some bread with some oil that night and have something to eat and and your field provided that yeah um and and it was that was part of that was kind of filtered into and, and taken part of their tithe yeah um 
we're, we don't have to get into, into the whole tithing debate right here. I have my own opinions on that, but um, it's, it's the point that God continually instructs his people to pay attention to and to care for the outcast, the needy, the poor, mm-hmm. the marginalized, all of these people. This would include aliens, what, what sojourners. These would be what modern day people would call immigrants, mm-hmm. um, legal or illegal. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's these are the people that we should be focused on. Mm-hmm. And so and, and I'll go off on a slight tangent here, but maybe if the church, instead of griping, complaining about closing the wall, we were able to do some work down at the border that could help people who have crossed the border get to the proper authority, do the asylum paperwork, you know, legally help them get legal into the country. Don't yeah. kick them back across the border and say, figure it out on your own. You know, man, let's help somebody. They're they're yeah. obviously desperate to be here. Right. Let's help them get here the right way. Let's help them be legal instead of focusing yeah. on them being illegal. Yeah. I think a lot of times and this may be unique to the American church, I don't know, but we get so focused on protecting what's ours, we forget that what's ours isn't even ours. Oh, absolutely. You know, like you know, you're talking about illegal immigrants who are who have come here and are living here and or they're at the border and they just crossed, you know, a lot of people in the, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people in the church would say, go back where you came from and yeah. try again, you know, instead of going down there and, and like you said, helping them out. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus nope. doesn't, we don't, we don't come to Jesus and he turn his back on us and say, figure it out. Figure it yeah. and, and Not until you can get to me the legal way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, it, and you know, the, the verse says, you know, or I, I, I don't know where it is. And I'm, I apologize if I'm like a little scatterbrained right now, but it's like, um, if we've been forgiven much, how much more should we be able to forgive? Oh, it's in the gospel. If you've been forgiven seven times, you should forgive 70 times. Seven. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's the same deal. Like if Jesus has accepted you as you are, with all your imperfections, with all your mess, with all your, yeah. with all your garbage, with, with everything in, with all the deepest, darkest parts of you that, you know, that no one else knows, like how much more should you be accepting of the illegal alien or the widow yeah. or the orphan or the unmarried teen mom or the mm-hmm. gay man or, yeah or who at like the homeless person, how much more should you be able to, love and minister and serve those people because of what Jesus has done for you. Yeah. And, and we miss the mark. We, we really do, you know, as a whole miss the mark. It's funny. And and I'll, I'm going to give a couple of kind of anecdotal stories here real quick. Um, I was, I used to travel with a band. I may have told this story on the podcast before, so forgive me if it's a repeat, but I feel like it fits the situation. I was traveling with it with a group. We traveled, we played churches, we played uh, whatever. And we met this guy who was volunteering at a church, and he was obviously a homeless. I mean, if you looked at him based off his appearance and based off his demeanor, you would say the man is a homosexual. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we got to talking to this guy, 
but he was super nice, befriended him, got to talking to him over the course of the weekend that we were there and found out he was, he was coming out of a homosexual lifestyle. And so we just got to having some conversations with him and said, essentially, we said, you know, man, tell me what it is about homosexuality that is appealing. What is it that is appealing? He says, man, it's not anything to do with erotic behavior or or anything. He said those types and 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 he the I mean, these were his characterizations here. Those types are very few. The the ones who are solely focused on an erotic style of homosexuality, they're very mm-hmm. few. The vast majority of homosexuals are in it for a community. He said, mm-hmm. those the the guys that I was in a community with were like my brothers. And that turned itself into a a distorted view. Right. You know, and that was what led to the homosexuality. He said, but Man, if the church would understand what community is better, they would desperately understand how to reach the LGBT community better. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. And, you know, I, I, I've always thought to myself, man, what can the church do? What can I do to be a better community to somebody who is struggling? Yeah, because and and if you think about it, that's what you're talking about, Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't he he for sure called out sin where sin was. He had mm-hmm. no problems doing that. Yeah, but he also did it in a way that was community based. Yeah, I guess you could say he sat and ate with sinners and tax collectors. He was accused of being a sinner and a tax collector because he had community with them. Yeah, and so maybe if we put off our facades of having to be this certain type of thing defined by the certain way of acting and this certain appearance and just said, let's just be the community to these people. Yeah. You know, we can change them. I, I, the book that I think about, and I know I've recommended this book is the gospel comes with a house key by Rosaria Butterfield. I had the same thought, you know, she tells the story of, of a pastor basically loving community, loving her out of homosexuality. Yeah. And he was just a constant example of hospitality to her that felt that led to a community where she felt safe. And then that opened the vulnerability for her to say, what I'm doing is wrong. And then here's this pastor who's loved her that says, you're right. What you're doing is wrong. But we've all done that. We've all sinned. We all have our mm-hmm. own sin. Yep. And let's work through it because I have to work through my sin. You have to work through your sin. We can yep. do this together. And in the sins, no, di- like in the eyes of, God, the sin isn't any different. Like, yeah, like there's no difference. And how much more meaningful to her life was that pastor showing her love first? Yeah, before leading with you're wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that I think that's where a lot of times we get it wrong. We like to lead yeah. with the you're wrong and here's why instead yeah. of I love you and I want to show you how much I love you. And we'll have that conversation later. I'm willing to postpone yeah. that conversation if it's going to mean being able to have that conversation and that's be right. meaningful later. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. We we don't we don't do that right enough. And we don't, and and that's why the church gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I I believe that. Yeah. With everything that's within. Well, and 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 honestly, it's it's I. It's a well deserved bad rap. 
Yeah. And I, I think when you understand that link between community and evangelism, mm-hmm. you will see, you'll see the tie of God's law and God's character mm-hmm. together. And you'll see how that tie together formulates the story of scripture, the meta narrative yeah. of scripture that we've been, we've been talking about now for fifth. This is the fifth week creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Mm-hmm. We're all created. Adam fell. So we're all fallen. There has to be a redemption. The redemption came through Christ mm-hmm. and through that redemption, we can point people to the consummation yeah. that is coming. Yeah. But if we do it in the wrong tone and, and this is a con- this is the talk I have with my kids all the time. If you say the right thing in the wrong tone, you're still wrong. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's a you good have reminder. to say, yeah, you have to say the right thing with the right tone. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're going to be an ambassador for Christ, because that was what Christ was known for. His tone was always appropriate for the people he was talking to. Yep. So he he spoke truth and love equally and didn't balance, didn't overbalance one or the other. Mm-hmm. That's right. So let's do um that's kind of the main themes, the the advice to take mm-hmm. as you're as you're reading through Deuteronomy. Let's do, yep. you know, what we do every week. Let's just do a quick walkthrough of of each chapter and verse, you know, kind of breaking it down into chunks, not every single chapter and verse, but mm-hmm. um, let's break it down into chunks and, and I'll take the first one. So the first section is, is one, one through three twenty nine. Um, that's the historical prologue. And this is basically, you know, remember where you have come from and remember where you're going. You, you yeah. if you know where you're coming from, you know where you're going. Yeah. Um, and this is going to fit into the narrative and it's going to help, detail and point out the story that we're going into, which is going to pick up in Joshua is going to be the entrance into the promised land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's kind of our setup yep. one, one through three twenty nine. what's next. Yep. So most of uh, chapter four is an introduction to the great exhortation, um, which is where you recognize God's call in your life. Um, and, and, you know, remember if you're a believer in Christ, you are called to something incredibly specific. Yes. You're not you're not called just to like go through the motions and go through life with like mm-hmm. no direction, no purpose, no no values. Like like if you're you're a man, you may be called to be a husband and a father. You may be called mm-hmm. to be a business leader. You may be called to be a pastor or a worship leader, or you may be called to be a janitor. Like whatever, but you but you have a very specific calling in yep. Christ, and Christ has put that calling on you, um, and that's what most of chapter four here talks about is this introduction to the great exhortation. Yes. Yep. So that's four. And then the next kind of almost seven chapters um, mm-hmm. is the actual great exhortation. The The law is laid down, you know, mm-hmm. um, the rules, the consequences, the way it's going to be all happens from really the ending of chapter four, all the way through the ending of chapter 11. Yeah. Um, and so you have this, this law and then the law Laying out of the law sets up the next section. Yeah, and we have uh, basically ch- uh, chapters twelve through twenty six mm-hmm. is the Deuter- Deuteronomic Deuteronomic code? Deuteronomic Deuteronomy Deuter yeah, something like that. It's a it's the code of Deuteronomy. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, and it, it, this really gets broken down into three uh, basic groups of laws. You have the laws mm-hmm. governing worship um, in the um, like 
chapters 12 through 16. Um, this is m- where much of personal life is here. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, the first, we talked about the, the vertical part of the 10 commandments. Yep. This is where that is. Um, and then stuff related uh, to God, stuff related to God. That's right. Um, and then we move on into the laws governing leadership, mm-hmm. uh, through their like 16 th- chapter 16 through 18. Um, these chapters affect much of how, uh, later books in the old Testament are viewed. So, yeah. you know, Kings judges, the prophets, they, a lot of them, a lot of them point back to some of the yeah. stuff here or there, or this is where like, these are going to be the foundation for a, a good way to interpret those books. Yes. That's okay. That's how, that's what I was wanting to say, but yeah. I didn't figure out how to say it. And then um, the last bit here, the last six chapters of this section are the laws governing community life. Um, and this is where everyday life is addressed. Mm-hmm. And this is the horizontal part of the 10 commandments, the last six yeah. um, where you're talking about how to love those around you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you wrap it up in chapter 26. Um, just kind of putting a little bow on, on the Deuteronomic code. Um, it's just a reminder to keep God at the foremost of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you are a believer before you are anything else yes. in life. You know, um, I am a Christian who is an American. Um, I am a Christian who has a reformed perspective. Uh, you know, every, I am a Christ follower first before I am anything else. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's the reminder from, from Deuteronomy chapter 26. Yeah. So then we roll into, um, 27 through 30, we're kind of roll out the, the end of the book and it gets to a little bit more of a narrative style. It's not so much like the law, um, but you have the covenant ceremony laid out in 27 through 30 because the law is laid out. Um, now you get to the blessings and curses, the, the consequences, I like to mm-hmm. say, of if you do or do not obey the law. Yeah. Um, and this is how Israel is going to preserve their laws for the future. It's how they keep this going through generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so finish, finish this out there yeah. with the last and section. The, the last three chapters of Deuteronomy um, is the look forward. Um, there's a reminder of the blessings and curses. Um, and then at the, by the end of the book, Moses dies. And we transition to Joshua, who's going to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land in um, in the beginning of the book of Joshua, which we'll get to yep. next week. Um, and and you know this is where we get the theme: be strong and courageous. Um, and it's a very fitting end to the Pentateuch. Yes. It's a very fitting end to the um, to the uh, the first five books here. Yes, it is. And so we want to encourage you to be strong and courageous here at the Beers and Bible Podcast, because that's what mm-hmm. we do. We yep. take the Bible and we apply it to our lives. Um, so that's a, that's an overview of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, a sky, a bird's, bird's eye view there. Um, I hope that helps you see through the book so that when you read it, you can pick up on some of these things. Um, we want these to be helpful each week. So yeah. That's why we're providing this content for you. So we want, yes. we want to aid you in your Bible reading. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, I think it's time that we uh, we pray and, cl- and wrap this thing up tonight. What do you think? Let, let's roll, man. Will let's you pray it. for us? I can and I will. Do it. Uh, so dear God, uh, thank you so much. Uh, first off, for who you are. Thank you for um, your 
unique oneness that, that you are the one true God, God, that you um, have given us everything we could possibly need and ask for. Um, and God, we just pray you continue to um, just provide for our needs. We thank you for the book of Deuteronomy and what it means to um, the entire story of scripture and in the truths that you point out in that book, God, and I pray that over the next few days and weeks that we are able to take what we've learned and discussed tonight and um, apply it to our lives. We pray that you um, just give us opportunities to flesh out some of the things that we've talked about. Give us opportunities to love um, the marginalized, the the people who are who could be difficult to love or whose society says we shouldn't love. And God, I pray that we as believers and followers of you um, take that opportunity to to love and uh, just bless and serve uh, those people. God, um, thank you so much for all you're doing in us, through us, around us. And I just pray you continue to, um, to do that. God, uh, we love you. Uh, thank you again for, um, your goodness and your greatness to us. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, With- if they want to reach us, Oh, are you going to beat me to it? I was going to try to beat you to it. <laughs> do it. Do it. No, you didn't. <laughs> Anthony, if they're going to, if our listeners wanted to reach us on the, at the Beers and Bible podcast, not on the on social the, medias. <laughs> if our listeners wanted to reach us here at the Beers and Bible podcast, how would they do that? They would do that by going to Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. They would go to Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. They would go to Facebook and search Beers and Bible podcast. And then they would email us at Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com where you can send all your queries about things that we need to know about. So tell us, tell us all the things that we need to know about and how we're wrong on everything. So there's where you reach us. Well done. I'm glad I remembered that. (laughs) Well, until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we'll see you later. Peace out.